We're crazy for Swayze. Gonna watch everything he made. We're crazy for Swayze. Then we'll talk about it. We're crazy for Swayze. Gonna watch everything he made. We're crazy for Swayze. Then we'll talk about it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Crazy for Swayze. My name is Vince Troya, and I'm joined today by my co-hosts, my best friend, my roommate, Mr. Josh Young. Josh, how are you doing today, man? Hee-haw. Hee-haw? Yee-haw. Yee-haw. And welcome to our podcast. Dude, do we have one to do today? We are tackling so many firsts. Josh, do you want to play around? Uh, America's favorite pastime. Did I have to see the other one? It's my favorite. Today, we're watching The Fox and the Hound 2, the Disney Studios animated adventure from 2006. Hmm. Dude, I uh, don't remember the last time I watched Fox and the Hound. I may have never seen it. I may have seen this one, but actually, now that you say it came out in 2006, that actually doesn't seem likely to me. Right? Like, yeah. I'm positive I've never seen this movie, and I could not tell you what Fox and the Hound is about. Well, it's about a fox and a hound. Well, I got that much, but I mean, like, that's about it. Well, I mean, you know, the star-crossed lovers. Mm -hmm. Well, this movie was one of those really weird, we're going to make this, like, 28 years after the original one came out kind of yeah. situation. Yeah, Disney was doing that for a while, right? Like, I don't know when The Little Mermaid 2 came out. Funny story, that came out in 2000, even. And it had the same director as this one, Jim Camerood. Hmm. Now, this guy also directed 101 Dalmatian to Patch's London Adventure in 2002. Holy shit, that's a long title for a movie with a lot of numbers. Dude, there's so much. 101 Dalmatians to Patch's Lost in London or whatever you said. Yeah, this guy has only directed the sequels to three Disney movies that came out at least 25 years beforehand. What was the other one? Little Mermaid and yeah. Dalmatians and oh, yeah. the Fox and the Hound. Yeah, you said all three. Okay, my bad. Dude. I like the Lion King too. I like uh uh like Return of Jafar. Is that the second Aladdin? Yeah. Those yeah. are both great sequels. I liked Return of Jafar a lot. I was really into Aladdin as a kid. Me too. I liked the the, the Book of Thieves or the King of Thieves. Dude, that one rules. Yeah. Underrated sequel. Dude. Like, I, everyone knows that Return of Jafar is, like, better than the original. Oh, yeah. It was definitely, like, a Terminator 2 situation. But the king or prince of thieves, whatever sort of royalty, that is, like, an underrated fucking sick tale of the Midas hand, the Midas touch. Awesome. Gets you into Greek mythology when you're a kid. It's fun. Dude, I also really liked Hercules as a kid. Um, I don't have much experience with Hercules. I remember having a, having a little crush on Meg. I thought she was cute. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, of course, and Danny DeVito's in that movie. Yeah, he is. He's a little satyr. Yeah, uh, they're gonna get him for the live-action reboot, right? I hope so. Who do you think is gonna play Hercules? Like, like, is it gonna be a... Are they gonna take one, the, the smallest Hemsworth, right? Oh, the little one. <laughs> the little one. And then, like, once it becomes big and manly, is gonna be Chris Hemsworth? Maybe, maybe. I mean, that's one way to do it. I, I, I don't know. I, you know, you could just go John Cena. He's been Dude. killing it. Yeah, he has been. Do you think that he'd be a good Hercules? Hercules! Yeah. 
I uh, the only reason why I I even say that is because Hercules is usually portrayed as a younger man, mm-hmm. and John Cena very much. Is yeah, a he's old. Man. You're right. You know, I'm not trying to call him old, but I mean, he he looks. He's done wrestling, right? He looks like he's been a wrestler. <laughs> yeah, he's retired, right? I don't know. Well, you're right. I think you nailed it, dude. This movie is gonna be a treat, though, right? Mm-hmm. Patrick Swayze's build second. He's me playing Cash. Top build, Reba McIntyre. What? Reba McIntyre from Tremors and Little Rascals is the the lead character in this film, right? Mm-hmm. We're also going to be joined by Jonah Bobo, who is in that Zathura, the action adventure, whatever. Fucking, the shitty Jumanji. Yeah, yeah. The shitty space Jumanji. Favreau's Jumanji, yeah. Oh, dude, that's a Favreau movie? Yeah. What? Yeah. He was also in Crazy Stupid Love and Choke. And joining the cast, we have Jeff Foxworthy. Ooh, you might be a fox if. Vicky Lawrence and... To announce, we are officially on Stephen Root Watch. Stephen Root's in this bad boy. So, not only is this our first animated film, our first Stephen Root Root Watch, and our first movie that is 69 minutes long. Nice. This came out right after Keeping Mom and right before Christmas in Wonderland. And Josh, I cannot wait to watch this. How are you feeling? This is like peak Latter-day Swayze. Yes. Uh, He's in an animated movie that's a sequel to a beloved childhood classic. Yes. It's going to be great. Okay, so we are going to be watching this on DVD. I found it at the used video store for $3.99. But it is currently streaming on Disney Plus. So it should you, be forever, right? I would su- assume so. So if you want to watch it with us. That was nice and tight. Nice and tight. I nice think. and tight. I think that's probably the greatest praise we can give it. Maybe I, there's more. I, I don't know. How did you feel about it, man? I don't know. It made me nostalgic. It made you? Okay. And I don't like nostalgia. Do you think it was, it was kind of relying too much on nostalgia? Well, I mean, you didn't have to see the other one. I don't think you did. Because I think the, the other one finishes after this is, like, this happens in the middle. Yeah, so the characters of Todd and Copper were still children. They were very small, you know. And don't they turn into adults by the end of The Fox and the Hound? I'm nearly positive that the dog has to go hunting for the fox at the end, right? (laughs) Dude, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. But yeah, I feel like this is like one of those weird ones, like The Lion King. It does not match the tone of the, the... the previous film at all. The yeah? Lion King 2 does a really good job of matching the tone of the previous movie. Okay. Which is fun, but it gets a little dark. I don't recall Fox and the Hound being very much fun at all. It's a very somber movie, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, well, there were fucking songs in this one. Yeah, so there's no way. Strap in for that. But diegetic and non-diegetic songs. What was your favorite song? Because there were quite a few of them, Josh. I liked Reba's song. Yeah? Uh, the... 
the good doggy no bone. Yeah, good doggy no bone. Now, see, I I definitely think that Reba was singing lead on that one, right? But for the hound dude, the one that Swayze was singing on, I think he was only like a featured. Yeah, like I I feel like maybe someone else was singing lead on that one. It's possible. Sometimes it gave me that Swayze twang, but like it felt like it was filtered through so many levels of auto tune that it was unrecognizable. Well, the only reason why I say that also is I'm I'm looking at the soundtrack right here. And for Good Doggy, No Bone, it says music and lyrics by Marcus Hammond and then performed by Reba McIntyre, right? But for Hound Dude, it says music and lyrics by Will Robinson performed by Joshua Grayson with Patrick Swayze hmm. as Cash. Hmm. Well, that Joshua Grayson's doing a good Swayze impression. Yeah, I feel like that may have been the kind of thing like when when Cash was talking, like when he like leads into the song. And yeah, when like he, his first few lyrics maybe are Swayze, and then it switches by the he, time the chorus hits. Yeah, I think that there's a different different voice doing some of the singing for that. So uh, embarrassing song, embarrassing. Maybe that's why Swayze didn't want to sing it, man. Hound dude, hound dude. I think that was just as good as the song in the film. Yeah, he really lays into the accent for this role, doesn't he? He does, and he throws in a bunch of little with uh, aphorisms, aphorisms you were saying, colloquialisms, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, he, he mostly relied on simile, you know, like a like a like a hot dog on a tin roof. That's yeah. not right. <laughs> and then uh, you know, Todd, he knows a few as well, but you know. He, he's not so heavily featured. Is there a bad guy in this movie? I thought it was Dixie at one point. I think that uh, Cash is the bad guy. Cash is the bad guy? He doesn't know it. I, I don't think... See, I think that's the, the whole thing. I think Dixie's the bad guy and she doesn't know it either. I think Dixie's just upset because they cast her out of the group. Yeah, sure. I mean, she was definitely upset about it. And, uh, I mean, deservedly so. I mean, she was being a bit of a diva. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so with this this group, okay, because Todd and Copper are just palling around being dudes, right? They're hanging out with their cricket buddy. Yeah, just chasing them around. And then they stir up fucking trouble with their uh, the other guy that lives on, uh, what's it called? Like the neighboring plot, Amos. Yeah. Am- Co- Copper's owner, who was originally played by Grandpa Joe from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. But in This Is Not. But he he's hanging out and with with Chief. Chief's the other dog, right? The goofy one. Yeah, Chief is like the old guy, the old dog, and he like has like fourth place ribbons for being hunting dogs and stuff like that, right? Well, that's pretty good, man. I'm not saying it's not. I'm not a hunting. I don't have any ribbons for being a hunting dog. That's true, and I don't know anyone who does. Yeah, so this dog is doing a better job than me. But we have to assume that there's only like. A hundred people who live in this like town. I don't even know if it's that. I would assume so. This is. Do you think? Okay, so it's definitely post World War Two, right? <laughs> I don't know because they're driving those weird ass old cars. I think it may, maybe it might be like before. Maybe the fashion is so strange. Like, there's a few people at the state fair, the county fair, who are dressed like. I don't know. Okay, let's throw that out there for okay. I was gonna go through our cast of characters, but that's a very good point. We have Model T looking kind of cars that are driven by um, 
what was it? Amos and and a, who was the other woman? Mm-hmm. They say her name. She's the widow, something or other. The widow. All right. So Amos and the widow are driving like Model A looking kind of cars, but then later on, the talent scout shows up, and he looks like he could be the boss from uh, Smokey and the Bandit. You know, he's got this big old. Uh, stupid fucking car, and it's got like horns on the front of it, and his big old hat. Yeah, well, he he's the talent scout for the Grand Old Opry, right? So sure. he's extravagant looking all the way around, just because he's come from Nashville, and and he's a big old country boy. Okay, it's it's uh, country time. It's country time. So while Todd and Copper are just chasing this grass hot or. Grasshopper around, giving fucking Chief all this bullshit. We're introduced to Amos and the Widow Tw- Widow Tweed. That's her name. The Widow Tweed. Hell yeah. She's on the cast list. Boss Tweed. Widow um, Tweed. Mm, this lady. But so we're introduced to like our, our core group of characters from the home base, right? And just to, like to establish the dynamic that they're getting into hijinks and all that. And kind to let of us stuff. know that this is like in the middle of the other movie. Yeah, like there's still children and all this kind of bullshit. Um, but as they're playing and running around, they notice that there's a fair coming into town, right? And the last car of this fair little. The whole shebang. It's a caravan. It's a caravan. Yeah, a caravan. A f- there you go. That was the word I was looking for, I've and then you, you you oh. punched it up, man. Caravan. Yeah. How come I've never heard that before? That's what they are. They travel in groups, dude. That way to go. I mean, it's a circus. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's an elephant there, so it is a circus. We don't know if there's any human performers. I'm not sure. There's a well. The last car is the singing strays. Mm-hmm. Five dogs that that harmonize. Yeah, and so everyone's talking about how we're gonna go see the fair and all this kind of shit. And Copper is really excited because he's gonna try and become a best best hunting dog and all that kind of stuff. But since he's so bad at it, uh, Amos ties him up. Mm-hmm. And well, uh, I mean, he does force a meet a meet cute with the na- the neighbor, the widow Tweed. Yeah, uh, who is the boss? She bakes a, a sick pie. Yeah, she ba- she baked a few pies, and she's milking cows the entire time. Yeah, she's busy, man. She has a farm, and she's a widow. Yeah, she's not letting shit get in her way. But so the Amos and the widow and uh, sheriff chief, um, the the old dog, um, chief. I'll go to the fucking fair. Dude, and if I ever get a dog, I'm naming it Sheriff. Sheriff? <laughs> That's a sick name for a dog. <laughs> What's up, Sheriff? Dude, I've always said if I ever get a dog, I'm going to name him Robocop. So. Uh, well, <laughs> I think that I think we might be able to get a dog and agree on a name. I, Sheriff <laughs> Robocop. <laughs> his, his name is his job twice. Fuck, man. So, Copper's all tied up to his little doghouse thing, right? Amos feels bad about it. He seems to feel bad. And that was the first thing that made me go, this isn't the first movie. Why wasn't Amos just a fucking cool guy and just bring Copper with him? He was an asshole in the movie. He was the villain in the original movie. Oh. If I'm not mistaken, because he doesn't want the dog hanging out with the fox because he's supposed to hunt the fox. You know? 
Uh, okay. I'm pretty sure he's the the villain from the original movie. We'll check back. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so the copper is tied up to this this doghouse, this this barrel. And uh, Todd comes over and breaks him out. He's like, pulls off his collar and says, let's fucking go. And they're like, hell yeah, let's go. And they make their way to the fair where we quickly meet the singing strays. Josh, did you have a favorite stray? Wow. Um, I didn't even think about it. I mean, I guess Swayze. Cash. Cash? I mean, he's, yeah, he's good at his job. Yeah. And I like that. Now we're, yeah, we're introduced, like I said, to five different strays. We meet uh, Waylon and Floyd. They're like, they're all hound dogs. Yeah, they're like goofy twins. Yeah, they're they're twins. And then we also have um, Granny Rose, who's played by Vicki Lawrence, and she's like an old dog. She's got a, a scarf around her. And she has fleas. She has fleas, yes. And then Reba McIntyre's Dixie as well. Yeah, the sexy dog archetype. The sexy dog archetype. She's got like hair on her head that's longer than the hair on the rest of her body, than the fur on the rest of her body. She has a bow on her head too. And they give us the kind of uh, indication that Dixie and Cash were an item. I don't know how. They just started singing well together and then she's like, then I got sweet with them. But it didn't like clarify if she liked doing that or if it was doing it for the show or what. Well, I mean, like, she's a dog. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Maybe the other th- two are fixed. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And we're also introduced to their human banjo player owner, making them not strays, Lyle, played by Jeff Foxworthy. He's their partner. He's their... <laughs> He's their business, but he's the boy. He takes care of all the money. He's the manager. He he does yeah. the talking and the walking and the and the setting up of the equipment, and he sets the tone. He sets the key. By, yeah, by playing the banjo. Yeah, and I I think my favorite part about the performances like that is at least this first one when they're all doing we're in perfect harmony. Um, they show us the outside perspective of the human where you just see a bunch of dogs howling and then all of a sudden it it kind of shifts the perspective gets on the dog's level and then the dogs are all singing the songs yeah like i thought that was a like I mean, yeah i wanted more of it but yeah, yeah they did show us right up top what it looks like yeah and so how it's supposed to look in real life and how we're going to be able to see it i do think it would have been cool to cut back and forth a little bit more me too and just have like a bunch of dogs just going, yeah, because like they were enunciating, they had lyrics. Yeah, I wonder if the human knows the lyrics. I don't know. You didn't even know that was Jeff Foxworthy. It took you so long to clock in. So, well, because he has like one line in the beginning, and then he comes in at like an hour and says two more lines, and he pieces the fuck out. I'm well, like, there's also the point like 45 minutes in where he comes in and puts on his sunglasses, plays the harmonica, and just jams and doesn't say anything at all. <laughs> so he wasn't even there. No. Yeah, I just, I couldn't believe that they had such a, a top build actor as Jeff Foxworthy to be in it for only like six lines. Dude, blue collar comedy in 2006? Big. That's what I'm saying. Big. Like he might have been the biggest actor in this at the time. 
Yeah, and it included Reba McIntyre okay, Reba, and Patrick Swayze. Reba might have been the star because didn't she have like a like she, a, her own show around this time? Yeah, like she a was, sitcom. She was top billed also. Mm-hmm. She was not only acting because this was well after like Tremors came out because that came out in ninety. Sure, she'd been acting for at least sixteen years on top of her musical career. Sure. I think. Reba was the biggest name. Yeah, yeah, she was. I mean, Swayze had a big name behind him, but, like, he didn't do that much work. No, and this was, at, like you said, at the end of his career, too. This came out after Keeping Mum and before Christmas in Wonderland, so he was, like, at the end of his career. Yeah, late stage Swayze. Yeah. Late stage Swayze was, he'd take parts. Well, see, that was the thing also that kind of, stands out to me with this is he's second build mm-hmm. he wasn't second build in any of the other things that we've watched around this area he's all, he's taken a, a comfortable like sixth or seventh spot well he knows it. like in this though that reba is obviously you know she deserves top billing yeah look at all the work she's doing and oh, i think that that's a mark in the feminism category there mm-hmm. very few marks in in the positive feminism category here um how do you feel about when Dixie kind of quits abruptly, right? Yeah, she quits because she's being a diva. And then Copper gets thrown into the band just because he's, like, being a goofball near the stage. Well, it's noticeable that he is not talented. Um, You know, he, he has natural talent, but he's not what she is. Yeah. And it suddenly becomes a boys' club as soon as she's gone. Oh, 100%. That made me a little uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, a band that has a female voice cannot substitute the female voice with, with a, a child. child. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. And then they went and did that Hound Dudes song. Oh, yeah, about how what a boys club. Okay, so that's, let's give it some masculinity points. All right. Oh, yeah, masculinity points. I did not like the Hound Dudes song. Worst song. I didn't, I was not a fan of it. It was embarrassing. I was embarrassed by it. I was embarrassed for Swayze. I was, uh, even more, like I felt like immediately after, because while this is this hound dudes thing is happening, it's just boys being boys having a good time. But Copper had made plans with Todd to watch the fireworks, and he was palling around with fucking cash singing this goddamn song, so he missed the fireworks. Mm-hmm. And Todd was upset about it, so he told him, he's like, "Hey, you know, I don't feel very important." We made these plans, and then you kind of stood me up and doesn't make me feel good. Like, what's going on, man? Mm -hmm. And Copper kind of was not very receptive of it. Yeah, he kind of blows him off. Yeah, and immediately just goes and starts practicing because the guys need him. It's pretty rude because, like, it's pretty clear that uh, in the relationship, Todd is the one who's like, happy-go-lucky, and Mm -hmm. Copper is a sad sack. Yeah. And uh, Copper kind of relies on Todd to keep him happy and keep him, like, moving and not being a sad sack all the time. And then as soon as uh, Todd's like, hey, I can't, I can't handle this. This is, you're you're doing me wrong and I'm sad. Copper's like, I'm happy now. Fuck off. Hanging out with the boys. I don't know if he necessarily said fuck off, but I do think it's the kind of thing that um, Copper was introduced to a like a new friend group, and he wants to stay on their good side because he thinks they're cool. Yeah, and finally someone who's like an inspiration to him. Like you can tell that Cash is like really like putting the dad sauce on thick. I I think this is the exact same thing that happened when Katie Heron moved into the high school, you know, and she started hanging out with Regina George and Gretchen Wieners, you know, mm-hmm. like. 
she thought they were super cool at the beginning, and then she realized that not they weren't necessarily the best friends she could have. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I I liked it, but I also see where Todd was coming from because he was just trying to be like, hey, you know, I understand you have new friends, but that doesn't make me and your relationship, my and your relationship any less important. And like, we made these plans, man. This was important to me. Yeah. And uh, he gets relegated to entourage. Yeah. And then he had to fill up their fucking water bowls. Hey, man, that's sometimes what you got to do. Hey, I I understand helping out, you know, don't get me wrong. Well, like, I felt like Cash was just making him do it because he wasn't one of the boys. Yeah, but it's nice that Cash invited him along. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, did, but then we get Josh's favorite song, The Good Doggy No Bone. How do you feel about Good Doggy No Bone and its message, Josh? Well, it's like a sexy song. <laughs> it is pretty sexy. <laughs> For a dog. And she's just, I, I love the way that the, they had her dance while she was doing it as well. You know, I just like, like a chest heave. Mm, I like that. I like that it involved all the other animals as well. Yeah, yeah. There were tons of pigs and the elephant was involved and they were all just going around town. Um, but I do think that this was the point in the movie where I started to question if Dixie was the bad guy. Mm-hmm, yeah, because she's doing like her bad guy song, Be Prepared. Yeah, yeah, she is. And she's like trying to like sweet talk Copper a little bit. The bad guys always get the best songs, dude. Every she, time. She's trying to sweet talk Todd because she's like, oh, yeah, I understand being cast out. and Blah, blah, blah. You know, playing up that goofy fucking sympathy card. But like... Do you think that Todd was like actually manipulated by her? Because it sounds like they they were just palling around. I yeah, don't know I think if they she were was... just having fun. Yeah. I mean, eventually he did open up to her and tell her the secret that that Todd or that Copper isn't a stray. Yes. Um, so I mean, maybe that was part of her. I don't know. I, I like that she uh, had a like a henchman, a sidekick as well, because all villains have a sidekick. Oh yeah. I, I like that fucking little cat, too. Zelda? Oh, Zelda. Yeah, great. She was, like, smoking all the time, but she wasn't smoking because she's a cat, so she's got, like, a hair clip or something that she's pretending yeah. to smoke with. At one point, Dixie's sitting there eating, like, milk bones, you know, just, like, stress-eating them, and then Zelda just looks at her and goes, why don't you just, like, put them on your thighs because that's where they're going anyway and just like being sassy as all hell which provoked opposite reactions from us i was like hmm, no bad feminism and vince said no that's the bechdel test baby that's how this movie passed the bechdel test dixie and zelda had a conversation about dixie's fat ass and they're animals. I'm just not certain if that's if that's positive feminism, but it's that's not, not what the Bechdel test is for. Exactly, it's not what the Bechdel test is. It's just just to prove that women can have opinions and names. Yeah, well, women do have opinions and names, and sometimes films choose to Highlight show us them. that. Yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> they're like, see, these are people. And if she doesn't have a name, then you don't have no claim. I don't know what that means. I don't either. So after we get our be prepared, right? We so do good. A, we do a quick cut back over to the strays who are now rehearsing with Copper because he doesn't know any of the songs and they have a performance coming up. And um, needless to say, Copper, 
the puppy is bad at his job. Yeah, he doesn't know how to pay attention. Yeah, he just wants to play with his grasshopper he found. So Cash yells at him. and uh, He gets, like, on top of him, doesn't he? Yeah, he kind of, like, gives him a really hard time. And that's when I started wondering if Cash was the villain. Yeah? Because <laughs> he's pushing him too hard. Yeah. That's a puppy, dude. And this is when you noted that the dadliness was there, and I kind of agree with you. Like, he was talking down to Copper. I, that's your, like, personal vision of what dadliness is. So yes. I, apparently, God, that makes me terrified if I ever become a father. I'm just going to, like, that's what I think dadliness is. Yeah. <laughs> God damn. Why do I feel like that? I don't know. Your dad never talks down to you. No, my dad's sick as shit. But it's so cool. Maybe it just has to do with movies. I maybe, don't know. Maybe it's Swayze. <laughs> Something that Swayze is doing to you. Yeah, like... Where he's like, the, the pinnacle of dadliness is like, talking down to the boy. Yeah, he needs to be condescending and kind of patriotizing. Or patriotizing. Patriotizing. Patronizing. There you go. Patronizing. Patriotizing. He's also patriotizing. No patriotizing in this movie. Not at all. They're dogs. They don't give a shit about what country they're in. Yeah, but they do like being dogs. They love being dogs. Stray dogs, specifically. They gotta be stray. And this is when Todd spills the beans. He tells Dixie that... Copper is not only a uh, an owned dog, an owned dog, but he can't sing. He's just like goofing around, and he got lucky. So Dixie hatches this plan to lure <laughs> Copper into her trailer and feed him peanut butter, <laughs> which isn't sexual. No, but so this dog gets the peanut butter in his mouth. And, and then we get, like, the most unrealistic depiction of what it's like to eat peanut butter. See, I have no idea what it's like other than a trip to the emergency room. I can tell you that it is not like chewing gum. Yeah, <laughs> it looked like looked like Copper was chewing gum, and then later on, Todd throws the peanut butter onto Zelda, and it, like, <laughs> sticks to her like it's cement. And it's got, like, all those sticky sounds that you have in cartoon like yeah is that right yeah and so this they're just having a horrible horrible time with this peanut butter but then that's when todd gets the bright idea to run outside and grab a cow's udder and spray milk directly into copper's mouth he stole the cow from the widow tweed who yeah. had just gotten awarded for best cow or yeah. most milk or but, best milking of cow? And there were the cows best milking. The cows were competing against goats, so that's why it's best milking. It it's has not, to be best milking. It can't. It, it's about the farmer's ability to milk. Is it about the or the volume? In the volume of, of the, the milk. milk collected. Yeah. Don't bring a goat to a cow milking contest. I don't know. What if that goat really like? What if it's like tea was really was full? Goat. Oh yeah. yeah, goat. The goat yeah. of milking. Yeah, like the what goat it, of being milked. It was just so good at getting its udders fucking drained that it beat a cow. It didn't though. Uh, no, uh, the widow Tweed's cow won. Annabelle, let's call it Annabelle. Sure, and uh, then Todd took it and squirted the milk directly into the dog's mouth. Yeah, he grabbed that cow's udder and squeezed it ever so precisely to hurl that milk across the field. I think there is a little bit of cow milking in the original. I'm not positive, but I think there is, and it occurs to me that if a fox could milk a cow, it would have a job. Oh yeah, that a hundred percent. They wouldn't make it leave. 
I think that they would somehow be like, yes, we will we will find a chicken budget for you. Yeah. Well, the fox doesn't have a job. It's just like a fucking uh, layabout. All it does is lay around and play. It should get a job. Yeah, it could milk. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about the Todd and Dixie doing the chase? What were they chasing about? Well, because Todd was trying to help Copper, mm. and Dixie was pissed about it, so they ran through the the fair, right? Oh yeah, and that caused all the chaos. That's when the Rube Goldberg of chaos started because one guy was throwing darts, and that guy's outfit was weird. Copper and Dixie run ar- around him, and he gets startled, throws the dart straight up in the air, right? And that lands it goes so far. Oh, so far, like went, halfway like, across the, the fair, over the barn. Yeah, so far. Lands in the pin holding all the cows, right? One of the cows that gets hit by the, the by the dart freaks the fuck out, and there's a stampede, and everything's fucked. I feel like a cow would barely feel getting hit by a dart. Uh, yeah? I don't know that much about cows, but... Well, they make cows that have these giant holes in the side of them that have these flaps on it so that you can, like... Open up the flap and see directly into one of their six stomachs, and you can see how their actual food is digesting from stomach to stomach. They don't make cows like that. And you can stick your hand in there no. and move all the stuff no, around. Dude, that has to be bad for the cow. I don't know if it's bad or good for the cow. Oh my god, that's horrifying. You've seen this? Yeah, it's videos on YouTube. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, it's a legitimate thing. Yeah, It's, it's how they track the digestion of the cows. Why do you need to track a cow's digestion? I don't it's know. It's a cow. Let it be a cow. Dude, they have six stomachs. I want to know what happens in each of them. Disgusting. Is, do you think there's one stomach just for like dissolving action figures that they eat? No. Do you think a cow would eat an action figure? Yeah. Who, who would be the tastiest action figure? Snow job. Yeah? The G.I. Joe. Why would Snow Job be the best tasting action figure? I don't know. I just like him. He's the first one that comes to mind. Yeah. He's like, get him out of the ice. Give him the stick. Don't Dude. give him the stick. I don't know who would be the tastiest one in my opinion. Um, Strawberry shortcake. I don't know. I never played with a strawberry shortcake. I was a real big Batman fan. Oh, dude, he that's how you get coronavirus. Oh. <laughs> Motherfucking Batman. <laughs> a pig eating a Batman figurine is how you get coronavirus if then you kiss the pig. I once was a bat. Now I'm a pig. I'm just telling you, man, that's how I got coronavirus. <laughs> oh, man. I kissed a pig that I fed a Batman figurine. That was that was a mistake. So, uh, after this stampede, right, Cash is justifiably upset. Dude, the stampede. Like, a fucking Ferris wheel falls off its shit and crashes into a barn where they're supposed to be performing dog music. Yeah. That's not... That's like a fucking... Ad lib of a sentence. Yeah. Yeah. And this causes the talent scout to leave, right? He's, he's just been, like, getting attacked by all of the shows. Yeah. He's got the flea circus on him. Yeah, let's let's go through what happens, Josh. How many times do you think he was injured in this movie? 
At least four. Yeah? Maybe three, because everything else is pretty much the rule of threes, right? Yeah, I'd say so. I, I remember the flea circus and the fr- fire-breathing guy, mm-hmm. and then he just didn't like the chaos, I assume. I think he got trampled oh. or, or something like that. That seems right. But either way, that's three violences upon him. Yeah, so he gets he gets freaked out, and he fucking gets out of there. And The ca- little girl who's like... Like carrying him around, she, yeah. you know, she's like showing him around the fair. Love that little girl. She's my favorite human character. She kind of reminded me of like a, like a Pippi Longstocking or something like that. She's trying to get her community service merit badge. So, oh, the same character as that kid from Up. Yeah, yeah. That's one of my favorite archetypes. I love a child that's like really on board to like be the best and just want to help. Yeah, because when I, you know when I was ten, I just wanted to be the very best. Yeah. Did you catch them all? Mm, hard to say. Oh. I think we did. We got pretty close. My brother always played the silver one. I always played the gold one. Yeah. We got pretty close. We should plug your gold one in and see where you are, man. Dude, I don't know if the battery still works. I my, should. My battery and my blue version still works. I know where I'm at. I've, I have beaten the Elite Four like a hundred times. A <laughs> hundred times? Yeah, I was trying to beat them a hundred times, I remember, the last time I was playing, which is when I was like a teenager. Dude, that's crazy. Crazy. Yeah, just stack it up. I was trying to get everybody level 100. <laughs> well, we don't have much left in this movie. There wasn't much to talk about. We All that was left in my notes, I've got a sad montage, because after Cash fires Copper, he's just being a, a sad puppy. Because he's not even a stray. Yep. So, so Fucking ta- sightseer. So Todd and Copper have a little heart-to-heart, and they apologize to each other. And then they somehow return the hat of the critic or the the recruiter. Yeah, Todd had stolen the hat. Yeah, it flew off his head while he was trying to drive away. And it landed on Todd as he went home. So they decided to return the hat. And while they were doing so... Because Copper is a hound dog. So he smells the hat. He gets all up in it. Yeah. And he was able to find him. He's at this diner a a few streets away kind of thing. So he gets the he gets the whole gang, gets the band back together. They all run over there and start just fucking singing on this dude's car while he's inside eating. Reprise of the original song. And he's like, oh Harmony. my gosh, this is the best thing I've ever heard. These dogs are just screaming on my vehicle. I need to sign them to be, be performers at the Grand Old Opry. Or else they might destroy my ragtop. <laughs> exactly. So he signs them, and the next thing we see is everybody at the Grand Old Opry singing up a storm, and then we fade out. Yeah, uh, credits montage. Yeah. Of Fox and Hound jumping around. That's I, it. I chose to believe that the, the insect was a cricket. You said it cricket? Yeah, because he's like the opposite of uh, Jiminy Cricket, or whatever his name is. Well, then why would he be a cricket? Why wouldn't he be a grasshopper? Is a grasshopper the opposite of a cricket? What is it? What is it? A cricket? A cricket. A cricket. <laughs> like the phone company. Okay, like the cricket. Um, yeah. I, I think a grasshopper is the exact opposite of a cricket because it's not a cricket. Okay, that's that's fair. It might be in the same family. The opposite of a cricket is an elephant. Is not a cricket. Yeah, it's it's not a cricket. (laughs) Okay, okay. Well, that's about that one, Josh. Do you wanna? Do you wanna? uh, Let's just let's just see. How do you feel? 
What do you think about this bad boy? Why does the fox always act like he has no family? I don't know. Did you notice that? I don't. Does he have a family? The oh, widow. the widow. The widow takes really good care of him. You're right. I thought something. <laughs> yes. Or yes. else Amos would have killed him. Yes, you're right. Long ago and eaten him and then turned him into like six hats or whatever. Six hats? He's just a little fox. Okay, you're right. Maybe two hats. You might get one hat out of him. Yeah, like one big like Russian hat. Maybe. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know why the fox always acts like he has no home, and I don't know why the dog is such a sad sack. Maybe because he's not good at hunting, and that's the only thing that he's told he's good at. Good for. Yeah, good for. You're right. You're right, because he can't do his one job. Yeah, if we uh, judge a fish on how well it can climb a tree, we'll all be disappointed. And if we judge a fish by how good it can swim, then we're all happy. Yeah, so why do why do we have to judge the dog on how well it can hunt? Yeah, we should judge it based on just, like, how rad it is. Yeah, just let the dog be a dog, and if it wants to hunt... Well, it's like Chief is getting old. He needs a new hunting dog. That's a good point. And, like, you're able to train dogs to do pretty much whatever. I mean, I don't know. I don't know anything about dogs. Could you train your dog to do your taxes? Absolutely not. Okay. Dogs can't, don't understand numbers. Well, Josh, where's the land on the Josh scale? Mm, I think you should go first. I should go first. The Vince scale. Uh, this was a two out of five. Yeah, I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking about the same man because it's like it's not like offensive to any of my senses. No, it's not bad. It's just definitely not for me. It's like from this morally bankrupt period of Disney history where like. They, they would just make these fucking sequels with no purpose. Like, it should have something to do with what the original one was about, but also be its own thing. It, it, there's nothing original, but there's also, like, nothing tying it to the original content. So, except for that it takes place during, like, the same time. I, I just... If, it has no purpose! I... I don't know. I think it has one purpose. And I wanted to bring this up. So when we were younger, there was this thing called the Disney Vault. Oh, yeah. Where Disney would take its most famous properties and put it inside the Disney Vault. And what that would do is they give them the opportunity to do limited releases of their most famous properties on the newest format of media. So we had all the tapes in the big puffy fucking things like you see over there. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. I know the ones that you're talking about. Yeah. I have a couple of them. So we got all the tapes in those big stupid fucking containers that were much more difficult to, to store. And then after that, after they'd be out for a few years, they'd go into the Disney vault. I think my Space Jam is on one of those. Yeah? Yeah. Well, Space Jam was WB. Oh, oops. <laughs> um, But then... After they did the VHS and DVD became a thing, they started releasing them every once in a while. And then once Blu-ray did, it's the same thing. So you could only get your movies you really wanted every so often. So it was a big push to buy the new formats. Oh, man, right? I can't. I actually can't believe Disney made it through this period where they, they made all these morally bankrupt sequels and then we're just re-releasing old shit. Dude, it's how because you couldn't get the Fox and the Hound, so you could get the Fox and the Hound too. It seems like, man, they only barely made it. 
I think that they could have just as easily gotten bought out as any of these other fucking companies, dude. It was very close. Disney almost died on the vine, I think. Dude, I think it's even crazier now that we have Disney Plus and all of these movies are readily available at any time. And it's just like... They were trying to restrict it before, but eventually they'll start taking stuff off there in an effort to try and sell shit again. Right now, they're trying to sell Disney+. Plus, So they're putting all the old shit on there. And then as soon as they're ready to start releasing whatever the next format is, past digital and past Blu-ray... Um, I think that they'll they'll come up with another fucking scheme and they'll end up with... Uh, shit, we're in a morally bankrupt time for Disney right now, aren't just we? Just beam it straight into our eyes. Dude, we're, they're releasing shit like Cruella. You liked Cruella. Cruella a lot of people, was great. A lot of people like Cruella, but there's no point. Well, it was like her punk rock free story about fashion. I actually it's really Disney, enjoyed it. It's motherfucker. You, they can't make a punk rock story you're right, you're worth right, their soul. It's morally bankrupt. And you know what? Fine, they'll make it in Boba Fett, morally bankrupt. It's all morally bankrupt. But you know what? I'm going to tune in. I'm going to watch the fuck out of Moon Knight. I'm going to watch Moon Knight too, man. That looks great. I love me some Oscar Isaac. I want to see him fight John Cena. Well, Josh, this movie was made for an estimated $24 million. He spent it all on the voice cast. It was at home release. We have no box office information. It was animated, so there's no filming locations. How many people do you think bought this? I have no idea. I wish Disney would tell us. I have no idea. Ebert did not see this movie. Josh, would you like to tell us what Ebert felt? One out of four stars. Why? What was the purpose to this? That's a good point. Are children buying these things? Children can't buy things. Then, oh, are... Grandma, don't buy this. Don't buy this, Grandma. Thank you, Ebert. If you are my grandma, though, and you're listening, just go ahead and watch it on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> you want to know how everybody else felt about it, man? Oh, man. I saw a few reviews on Letterboxd that were not favorable. Letterboxd has it at 2.3 out of 5. IMDb has it at 5.3 out of 10. With Amazon. A, with a Rotten Tomatoes of 20%. Audience score, 46%. Amazon has it at... 85%. 4.8 out of 5. A 90% 5 star with a 1% 1 star. Jesus. Uh, my 7-year-old niece says, I like the whole movie. She's my favorite, but she's wrong. Um, She's a 7-year-old. Yeah, well, I mean, she's wrong. She's got to be 8 by now. We haven't been following her for a while. The Fox and the Hound 2 is an entirely unnecessary movie with too clean animation and no respect for the melancholy tone of the picture to which it claims to be a sequel. Just so pointless. That's a one-star review. I'm going to give it a two-star with the same thing. I have a one-star that says, "Uh Uh-huh, I never would have guessed that Copper, before aging into Kurt Russell, gained national fame as part of an all-dog acapella country music group and almost let celebrities corrupt his friendship with Todd, who, why is this even a thing that exists? By Cam. Well, good job, Cam. You got it. Um, You know, I thought that for some reason Kurt Russell was the child dog because, you know, he's a Disney child. Yeah. But uh, he was the adult. Well, he was in the 80s, so he was, an, he was a man by then. That's wild. He's still alive and kicking. I want to I wanna change my rating. 
Okay. I want to make it a one and a half out of five. Wow. What'd you take away half a star for? Um, the fucking Cam. Oh, he he convinced persuaded you. Persuaded me. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if I ever want to watch this again. Oh, I would never watch it again. But the sexy dog song is enough for me to say two out of five stars. Yeah, the fucking sexy dog song. Okay. I mean, okay. I like the animation on that song. It was awesome. Now, I did find the, a piece of trivia, and this was the final film to open with the Walt Disney Pictures Presents logo with the Fantasy Castle on the plain blue background. No animation on it, just a still image? Yep. Everyone after this, though, uh, did. Full-style animation castle. I know they've changed it a lot over the last 15 years or so. Oh, yeah, yeah. But this one was the last one to use that one, and before that... That had been the opening credit for everything for 21 years. Wow, we and it hasn't been the same for a while. Like they did a, an animated version of that one, mm-hmm. and now they have the huge castle where you like go inside or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so th- this actual um, start to this movie wasn't the start of this movie when the first one came out. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, the, this this opening started like five years after the original movie came out. Wow, so they had a different one even back then. Yeah. Um, I thought that there was some lazy animation on this. Like, oh, uh, there was lots of lazy stuff with this one. Like, a lot of the characters look like characters I've seen in other Disney properties. Yeah. Like, they're just background characters, but also the dogs. Like, uh, specifically... The Reba dog. What was her name? Dixie. Dixie. Yeah, she looked like every other sexy dog I've ever seen in everything before. You jerking off to lots of dogs, Josh? I love it. Um, Swayze's got the... Cash has the same character design almost as the uh, Artful Dodger from Oliver and Company, which you said you've never seen. That's what you were saying. Oliver and Company rules. Those songs are awesome. It's about a cat getting scooped up by some street dogs. Oh. And he's like a sweet little orange cat, and they go rocking around the city. And there's Billy Joe, so- Billy Joel songs in there. Is Bruce Willis in that movie? Dude, he might be the Artful Dodger. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe you have to watch that one. I don't know, Josh. Who would you suggest this movie to? Nobody. I would maybe suggest to children. Yeah, I guess, but like, not if they've seen the original. It's, they're gonna be like, why is this one? I thought they were sad do- dog and fox. I. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll have to show this to my niece, see what she thinks. Your not-yet-one-year-old niece. My The four-year-old niece. You have a four-year-old niece? Matt and Tiffany's kid. Oh, okay, oh, yeah. Oh, she's turning three this year. No, she's three now. She's turning four this year. I thought she was turning five. No, she's turning four this year. Okay, I, mean, she, I don't think she'd like it. You know, yeah, she likes Spider-Man. <laughs> Who doesn't like Spider-Man? Which Spider-Man? All of them. Yeah, right, she's never seen Tobey Maguire. Okay. I'm sure she has. I probably watched it with her. I was reading on the internet today that uh, Andrew Garfield says that Tobey Maguire is his Spider-Man. Yeah? Who's your Spider-Man? Tobey Maguire. He rules. Tobey Maguire does rule. He's got the, the gunk coming out of his his body. That's pretty weird. He's like, ah, all this stuff's sticking to me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't need these glasses. <laughs> oh, no, I don't want to be Spider-Man anymore. Andrew Garfield did the exact same thing. He's like, oh, the stuff's sticking to me. 
Yeah. Oh, he's like, oh, this stuff's sticking to me. I'm trying to be Spider-Man over here. Yeah, Paul Giamatti, my only weakness is tiny knives. <laughs> That's what he's like. Yep. Uh, hit me with those tiny knives, baby. <sighs> so if you want to hit us with the tiny knives. No, it's not time for that. What? What time is it? Swayze scale. Swayze scale. Oh, the Swayze scale. Almost forgot, man. I almost forgot the Swayze skill. What am I? I'm slipping, man. The funniest thing about the Swayze skill, I'm sure that everyone's noticed, is that we are just making it up every time. Every time I write a new list, I try and get everything on it, but sometimes I fail. Dude, I don't. I don't even have a list. I don't know what's on it. I do it every time. It's yeah. always different. Okay. Okay. So uh, I realized that on our last episode, I didn't note any of the positives. I know we noted all the negatives. We didn't note any of the positives. Oh. Because there weren't that many negatives, so we just noted all the negatives. Yeah. On this one, I'm gonna go ahead and list them all. Hit me with them. Was this movie sexy? You said there was a sexy dog. There was a sexy dog. Okay, so let's give that a positive. Was it dadly? There was that little bit of the talking down, but there was no like helping grow. Well, he snatched the boy out of the crowd, and he was like, ah, you could you could be a winner. You want to join the squad? Let me exploit you, well, child. He, well, he thought that the child was homeless, so yeah. he was ready to be this child's dad. And then when he found out that he had a home, he was like, ah. Oh, he wanted to be a street daddy. Yeah, so I'm going to say yes on dad. Okay. Um, I noted a new one that has never been on the list before. Violin. It's called The Fiddle. Yeah. And there was a lot of fiddle on the soundtrack. There was. Nobody played it, but like it was in the, it was in the movie. We had a banjo player, so I'll give him strings. All right. It's another positive. All right. Violence. Uh, there was that chase with and the chaos and the chaos. But was it violence? Like no one was really doing violence to each other. I don't think so. Okay, What's no violence. No violence. Okay. Do you count those uh, circus cars as a sick whip? Um, I count the fucking, uh, the, the talent scout sick whip. Okay, so there's a couple sick whips, but only because this movie takes place in the past. And it's a cartoon. Oh, duh. Uh, okay, odd. This was a country movie. No horses. Not a single horse. We had an elephant, though. Not a single horse. Yeah, there's no horses. (laughs) No horses. I have three question marks next to horses because I'm confused about that one. Um, knives. No knives. No knives. Uh, some of these are new additions. The violin and the the knives are pretty new. To the oh, list. okay, all right. Road trip. No road trip. Hold on. Cash and the circus. They're rambling men. They don't. A Rolling Stone gathers no leaves or moss. algae or moss or whatever. It gathers leaves. I always think about SpongeBob. He says a Rolling Stone gathers no algae. I don't know. He's a, he's a man of the road. They're they're on a perpetual road trip where yeah, America is their home. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're gonna say no to that. That's fine. Our main characters didn't didn't go though. But Swayze did. Uh, yeah. Okay. Fine. Okay. Okay. So we're gonna give that one a neutral. We'll just give that All one right. a, a pass. Feminism. <laughs> I yeah. I think. I think if it passes the Bechdel test and ha- and or has positive feminine ideals in it, then it works. Okay, do they have to be female humans or just female characters? The dogs are more human than any of the humans. Amos and the Widow do have their meat cute, and it seems like, will they, won't they, you know? I guess. But we know that they won't. Oh, they won't? Yeah, I've seen the original. I don't. 
Um, okay, so we're giving feminism a, a, a wash on that as well. Okay. <laughs> masculinity. Did you see any ma- positive, negative masculinity throughout the course of this movie? We had that whole song about boys being boys, man. All right. Well, there you go. Um, well, I added another thing. I'm not positive if this is going to last. Good at your job. Or is Swayze in particular good at his job? Because I feel like he's good at his job in every single one of these fucking movies. He's good at singing. He's great at it. He's an entertainer. He's a rambling man. Yeah, yeah. He's good at his job. Okay, I didn't see any gymnastics in this movie from anybody. Well, there were animals. Well, yeah, but Swayze will usually do a gymnastics. No gymnastics. No gymnastics. And dancing. No dancing. There was a little bit of dancing in the sexy song. There was dancing in most of the songs. I was quick to say no. I was wrong. Okay, okay. So now I'm uh, just going to do my quick calculations. Uh <laughs> Okay, so there's 13 points on this scale, just like there was last time, but oh. some of them are different. Oh, oh okay. Um, and two of them are a wash, so we're going to call it on an 11-point scale. We have one, two, three, four, five, six. I think we have seven positives. Out of 11? Uh, let me double check. One, two, three, four, wash, five. Six, seven. Seven out of 11. Yep. So that's like, a, you know, like a six and a half for a seven Let's on the get, Swayze scale. Yeah. that That's math. A six and a half or seven out of 10 strange elephants appearing out of nowhere. Let's give it seven because it was uh, a cartoon. It, it just, it, that doesn't seem particularly Swayze to me. Let's give it uh, six and a half because they were dogs. Six and a half out of ten dogs on the Swayze scale. scale. Alright, well, uh, Vince drew a little little smiley face on his big toe. Um, <laughs> can I do the outro now? Yes, you could do the outro now. <laughs> if you'd like to contact us, please send us an email. or at uh, SwayzePod at gmail.com. We are now streaming on all our podcast sites because we didn't know we weren't. Oh, that's funny. We, yeah, this is the first time we're going to address that, right? How come yeah. nobody told us that we weren't on iTunes? I think Chuck did, and I just... Oh, you just ignored him? I forgot. Chuck is the fourth member of the Swayze Quartet. I don't know. Or is Swayze the fourth member of the Swayze Quartet? What are you talking about? I'm just wondering. You said that that's what the band is called. The band is not called the Swayze Quartet. What is it called? The Dirty Dancers. <sighs> I'm in this band. I don't even know what it's called. You can find us on all the social media at Swayze Pod. I am on Letterboxd at Vincent Troya, and Josh is on Letterboxd at Joshua C.Y. Um... We're crazy for Swayze. Gonna watch everything he made. We're crazy.
And after this, we're going to watch Adventures in Babysitting. And I'm so excited. <laughs>